0: All right, well, this morning I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and then some in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And someone just touched on that very subject that I was thinking about, and the need for energy, the need for energy, and that was my thinking, when you're in the details of life, and Here we are with these uh, weak, frail bodies, and they certainly are that. The Bible makes it clear in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, that we have this treasure. We have treasure in us, but it's in these fragile clay jars. And boy, does that treasure that's in the vessel need to energize that weak, frail vessel. And... You know, it's through the week is when we when we come in the mornings and I, I know that uh, some of these mornings I get up and I may be up physically but just barely doesn't feel that way at times. just feel um, you just feel be, because of the details of life and work and thoughts and just everything that we're involved in um, we can get very weakened. <laughs> we can be in a very weakened a state, And uh, I just think there was God's mind this morning. I know for me, just just for me, uh, the word that, that he gave was, I believe, the word that he has for all of us this morning. And so I'm just going to read from 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to start in verse 19, but those first 18 verses, the first 18 verses talk very specifically about the resurrection about the fact that that Christ did actually rise from the dead and there were there were the Pharisees uh, the Sadducees and the Essenes there were three different groups they all hated each other they all had something against one another isn't that interesting they all had something against each other because it resulted from something that was not true about the Word of God. There was no truth in the thing that they had that caused them to be against each other. There were the Pharisees and they were very, very legalistic and they hated Christ. They all came together <laughs> as one when it came to hating Christ. And you know, for us, we have such an enemy, such an enemy, and he's in, he, the enemy's invisible. So we have that that's coming against us constantly. So we have all these things. We have, we have the flesh that's in us, that's against who we are in Christ. Then we have the whole world system that we're in. <laughs> Here we're trying to make a living, trying to go to work, and... And uh, we don't actually fit in here at all because we're not of this world. We're not a worldly people. We're not. And that can begin to wear on us. And then you have Satan and his whole invisible army that comes against us. And here we have, here we are, these weak, weak, frail, fragile little vessels that we are walking around. But we have, but we have this treasure in us. We have this treasure in us. The Pharisees were very legalistic. They hated Christ, but they did believe in a resurrection in terms of not the resurrection that we have in Christ as our life. They believed, and you'll see that, what they believed in in Matthew 22 and verse 30 when they were trying to trip Christ up. Here these legalists trying to trip God and humanity up. Arguing with him, <laughs> arguing with God in and, and humanity, the word, just like hopefully sometimes we won't do is, you know, when we get weak and frail and get overwhelmed, we start arguing uh, with God. But then there were the Sadducees and they absolutely did not believe in the resurrection. The resurrection that the Pharisees believed was that he was going to resurrect Israel to, to their proper place. And of course, they're still looking for that, the Jews. And there's so much going on right now in that country uh, of Israel, size of New Jersey. There's not, a, not enough room for those Arabs and that 21 Arab nations all around them,. You know? but, and then there were the Essenes, and they were whew, they were met some Christian men, even, even in the 1800s. Uh, those that would preach Christ and preach the truth meant they were like their lives were in danger from the Essenes from Christ day all the way up into the 1800s and they were monks they were monks and uh, But here again the Sadducees like they they absolutely could detested the preaching of the resurrection that you and I have In Christ is our very life. That's what Paul was going after. In his day, the Word of God was being so challenged, so maligned. And because he lived in it, because he believed it, because he received it, because it was the very energy source of his very life, he was hated. And all of that came against him. And just like it does us. It's all coming against us. And God wants us to see this morning these things that come against us, where they come from, and why they do that. Very interesting. Um, when it comes to, to fulfillment of prophecy, we can look at Daniel 7, verse 25, and not to go into what that says, but you see the enemies of the Lord. It, it, it says that, he speaks great words against the Most High to wear out the saints. So all of this is, that comes against us is to wear us out. Why do we get worn out? And there's times when we do. We just, we're frail, we're weak. We, we have to get up. We have to do certain things. And we have all of those things coming in. But we have this treasure within. This is, at, this is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. This is what it says. If in this life only. This is what the enemy wants to do to the Christian. Get them to think that here, right now, is their life. And we can forget that so easily. This is it for us. This life, we're just like everybody else. Just like the unsaved. But if in this life only we have hope in Christ. If it doesn't go any further than that. And some would think that... Some think that, well, you know, I just want to get saved. I just want to be as happy as I can get saved and then get out of here and go to be with Christ. And not have everything. Not even to realize the value and the energy and the strength that that treasure is in them in a very individual way. And so if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men, what? Most what? Miserable. What do you think the enemy wants to do? wants to make us miserable. Because I'm going to say that's just what the world is like. The world is miserable. And if you look at it, when Cain went out from the presence of God in Genesis 4 verse 16, it says, then he built the city. And that whole city, based upon the world system, the whole world system was based upon the murder and hatred of Jesus Christ. And that's why Cain slew his brother Abel. Because he was bringing Christ. The reality of Christ bringing it. And so he went out, Cain went out from the presence of God in Genesis 4.16 and he built a city in 4.17 and that whole city is based upon misery and having nothing done about it because they don't bring Christ. They don't have Christ. That's what you and I will be like. When we don't have him as our life, when we lose the uh, intimacy and experience of the energy that Christ gives to us moment by moment. And he's always there waiting, obviously, even in Isaiah 30, verse 18, to be gracious. But we, of all men, of all men, we would be even way more miserable than them. Because we would, why? Why would that be? Because it wouldn't be a reality. We, we had hope that there was something beyond this life. Listen, something beyond just this time here, are we missing that? And if we don't know the truth about that, we will in our experience, even in Christ, we will, we can be uh, of all men most miserable, most miserable and boy to the enemy. Listen, the enemy has the whole world in the palm of his hands. When you read 1 John 5.19, that's what it brings out. In 1 John 5.19, it's like he's got people in the world unsaved, and they're in his hand like a plaything. Just playing with them. And trying to make them as miserable as they can be. But he wants the Christian to even be more miserable because he has them, in Revelation 12, 9, he has them completely deceived that life is, is misery and you have to do something about it to try and escape it. This is where you get all these philosophies, all these philosophies like, like back in the 70s when I grew up. And, you know, I was born again, I was, I was saved. They didn't have a lot of teaching, but I had friends that were, weren't unsaved, that were unsaved, and they would do this transcendental meditation, and somehow they could, in themselves, escape the misery for a time. But, oh my God, after that, you know, that's just like sin. The enemy wants to tell us, listen, you're miserable, this is it. This is the way that you can deal with this. This is the way out. You need this thing. You need that thing. You don't need Christ. And here we have, you don't need Christ, and here we have this treasure within us. And he wants to make us miserable. And and we're going to see this morning how, how he does that. But we would be, of all men, most miserable. And we are, when we lose the reality and experience of the treasure of Christ in us, that great peace that we have, that nothing can move. Man, we are all of all men most miserable. And in that misery, for instance, we shared this a while ago in Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they that love your word and are energized by it through the power of the Holy Spirit and nothing will cause them to stumble, nothing, nothing will cause them to stay in a miserable condition. A miserable state. And, and this is because it's the energy of the Holy Spirit. He, he wears out the saints because he's speaking against the Most High. Now, who's the Most High? Where is Christ? How far is Christ seated? In Ephesians 2.6, he's seated above everything. He speaks against Christ but he speaks against him to you and I to make us miserable forget eternity forget where we're headed everything is now right now just like just like the world and because so what he wants to make you and I miserable and and if he if he can't deceive us then when we live in truth everything about it is 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 trying to accuse us do you ever wonder well, I'm confessed up to date. I don't even, I, 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 as far as I know, I'm not living in known sin, but there's all this negativity. What, where, where is this coming from? Well, that's the voice of the accuser in Revelations 12.10. He accuses the brethren. Now, it's to Christians, if he can deceive them through bad thoughts, through bad emotions, if he can, if he can deceive them, then they're going to live in accusations and become very irritable and very, very, very miserable Christians. Because he's speaking great words against the Most High. He just is. So we would be just like the world. I mean, they're miserable. As far as they're concerned, they're going in the ground. That's it. So they're going to make the best of it. They're gonna make the best that they can of their circumstances. Because one thing is for sure, nobody is gonna escape death. Hebrews 9, verse 20 27 makes it very, very clear. Right? It's very clear. We're, it's appointed unto man to die, but after that, there's a judgment in Hebrews 9:27. But for us, there isn't any. So because there's no judgment for us and the enemy. He can't experience it like you and I do. No angel can either. But he he knows about it just enough. So in James 2, uh, verse 19, even the demons believe and they tremble. They they, they know it, but they can't experience it like us. So they want to make us as miserable as they can now, Christians, because there is no judgment. There just isn't any for us. And... He wants us to make judgments on our own based upon the misery that we think we need to do something about and to try to escape. We're we're not. We're passing through this. In 1 Peter 2.11, we're strangers and pilgrims. We're on our way through the world system. Just like Israel, Israel, delivered from Egypt, was in the wilderness, the type of the world, and they were on their way to their promised land. And that's what we are. But here out of all men most miserable it's very interesting this greek word for here miserable is eleenios and it means misery of all those i were pitied think of think of in the sense even the pity that comes from people even though they may be nice but unsaved how that they would pity Christians to believe that there's something more than just this? Does it make any sense? Does this does the nat does anything to the natural man or the fleshly Christian make any sense? No, because in 1 Corinthians two verse 14, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. And when we don't, and the Spirit is the takes the power of Christ and energizes us inwardly when we submit to the word. And, but if we don't, what's the sense? What's the sense of getting up every morning? I mean, what sense does it make? What sense does it make to get up and go to work and do that? Because and, and, that's how the world thinks, but they keep doing it because they don't have anything else. Do we? Oh, we have so much more. We do. And we have the means uh, to be energized, and the motive is God's love. So he's not only the motive, he's the means through, through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, out of all men, we're, we're the most miserable and pitiable. Miserable. This is where we get our English word, a miser. You know what a miser is? They're going to keep everything for themselves. Because if they don't have it, they're going to be Miserable. I'm going to be all by myself. No. I'm going to quit. I'm going to sit down. I'm not going to go forward. Okay. All right. Now you can sit and you can sit and you cannot go forward in your experience. But the reason is, is because for any of us, you would be what? Miserable. You're a miser. No, this is it for me. This is what I'm going to do. I don't care. This is it for me. This is it. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You ever hear anyone say that? (laughs) Well, from a miser. Look at one who has the means available to relieve their pain, their mental and emotional and spiritual suffering, but chooses not to take advantage of it. Think about that. We would be, those in Christ, would be of all men most miserable. Oh my God, you mad? Here's a Christian with Christ in their vessel and they don't live and don't make decisions any different than the world and the world (laughs) looks at them. Oh, they're even worse than we are because they say they have this Christ. They say it, but oh my God, look at them. They are worse than we are, the fool's. Well, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, the natural man receives not. The flesh and the Christian, when we live in that, receives not the things of the Spirit of God. There there goes the energy source. Receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Listen, for they are foolishness unto him. You know what? What are we doing? You know what? What What? Trust God. God, he led us to the right, look at the sea. Don't you see that? Why don't you be miserable with me? Misery loves what? Ugh. Misery loves company. No, I won't do it. Like a spoiled little three-year-old. No, I won't. I don't have to and I won't. Okay, no energy, miserable. Miserable, listen to it again. One who has the means available to relieve their pain, but chooses not to take advantage of it. The treasure's in the vessel. All you have to do is submit. I don't want to obey. Well, obedience is not hard. Oh, but oh, the flesh in us is so hard. Nope. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, and that means experience it. Neither can he know them. He can't. He he doesn't have an energy source, because he refuses it. You have the means. You have the treasure within you. No. My vessel is worn out. My flesh this job, this circumstance, this, thing, And you know what it all has to do with? We are, of all men, Christians, most miserable when we don't trust God by faith dependence, when we start going by sight, when we start going by our feelings. We do, any of us. And so The whole thing about it is, but now, look what it says in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians. Separated from the misery, but now is Christ risen from the dead. Listen, where is he risen and where is he residing right now? Right hand of God, but he's in us. We have the treasure in us, listen to this though, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? So so Galatians 5:16, walk in the spirit in absolute dependence, not by sight, feeling, circumstances. What are we gonna do now? Walk in the spirit. Result, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What? That misery that the enemy says, here's the way out, I'll give you this way out. You know why it says in Philippians. 4 verse 19, you know why it says that? Because it's true. My God will supply all your need. Do you need to replace him with anything? Whatever you and I think we have to replace him with, it's because we're experiencing misery. Watch this one. Misery. But now is Christ risen from the dead? No, I'd rather be dead and miserable and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, misery as a result, because death is never extinction, by the way. It's just a miserable existence without life. Imagine a Christian functioning without life. No, I don't feel like it. (laughs) Okay. Go by your feelings and don't submit to the word and just be miserable and just don't, Pray, pray for them, but just don't be in their comp- be with them in their company. You can be with them uh, in prayer. <laughs> but you don't have to be one with their misery. And you don't have to submit to it. But you can love them and not, still not reject them, but still not, not be that way, because you could just be the one to help them get out of that. For since man, by man came death, By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all what? experience what? Death. And is that miserable? Remember, it's not extinction. Never. That'll do away again with the false teaching of annihilation. It is never, ever extinction. Never. So, is an Adam all die? Now, do I have that guy who likes to live again in my flesh? Yeah. And what is that? Death. You can always tell, and I can see it. I can tell. I can tell, honestly. And I can even tell in, in husbands and wives, I can tell even different husbands, you can even discern their countenance because there could be some kind of behavior of the other and it has an effect on them. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to, but it can, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to, just please know that. You don't have to submit to that. You can love them and pray for them, but you do not have to submit to that. You don't have to submit to their misery. You're not gonna condemn them, you're not gonna accuse them, because they're in Christ. But through your prayers, and you're going forward yourself honestly can speak volumes to them and can be the road that paves the way for them to get back. Because it's just the work of Christ in you and you're energized. Don't submit to that. Submit to the energy. Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because the enemy wants to use the doubt and despondency and discouragement and disappointment of another believer to affect another. That's why we as husbands need to take headship. Loving, loving. (laughs) loving, not forceful, but very loving and, and with a laid down life. But here, the apostle, this was constantly being fought. You know why? Resurrection life. You know why? Because the resurrection, the Holy Spirit through the apostle Paul here is identifying the resurrection with Christianity itself. We don't even have God. We don't even have Christ in reality if there's no resurrection. The lie is, see, you don't have it. The lie is to the Christian now, you're not experiencing it. Therefore, you don't have it. Why? What gets in the way? The misery. And then, you know, misery, follow it all the way down. Look at... Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Be not deceived. Really, what it's saying is stop deceiving yourselves. Stop allowing yourselves to be deceived. Evil communications. Evil companions. Corrupt good manners. That's why headship, listen, this is very important. Marriage in Christianity is very, very important. It is. Headship. Because the husband does not have to submit to the negative emotions and negative thoughts of the wife. He does not have to do that. He can still function under headship with Christ and still love her and be a provision for her but he doesn't have to submit to her misery or vice versa too, by the way. You do not have to do that because misery in the experience of the Christian is their identifying that's who they are based upon deception and an accusation. That's who they are. And then the enemy comes in and says, here, this will help you. Here, take this drug. Here, take this alcohol. Here, here take, uh, go shopping somewhere. Here, here's this thing. Here's the, you need to get away. You need to get away. You're miserable. <laughs> you need to go on vacation. Like, like God has taught us many times. Yeah, I know. It's just you got to take that misery with you. You can gloss it over. We're not of this world. The misery, the misery, and the decline of Christian energy, Christian vigor, that energy that we so need, we do need that. Don't we need to be energized? Come on, even our power tools, they don't work right. You got to plug them in. They need an energy source. And that energy comes from the sun, physical sun. That's where our energy comes from, the sun, the sun of God, the treasure that's in us. And we need to look to the treasure and not look away from the treasure and look through the weak vessel, the fragile vessel, and get, live in hopelessness and helplessness that's based upon a lie. But here it is. What, is. what is the cause of the decline of this energy that we need in our life? And here it is. The world comes in. In some form or fashion, the world is coming in. And affecting the energy source, we become occupied. The job. What we need, what we don't have. What are we going to trust God for this time? <laughs> we. Got, does this even make any sense? Does it make any sense even being here? Does it? To the natural man, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. But then when it says. Stop being deceived by evil communications, evil companions, and sometimes that can be the person closest to you. Do not be led astray by false philosophy of life. And the Christian can live like that. Because if you are miserable and you don't experience Christ, so you don't submit to him, James 4, 6, God resists who? He resists all proud philosophy. He resists the pride in the Christian. That's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Yeah, philosophy is a false lie that somehow you can take yourself out of the circumstance. Yeah, but you, can you do that? How many have ever tried and done that? Well, false philosophy. Stop being led astray. Did you know that? Well, 1 Timothy 4.1 says in the latter days. Are we in the latter days? Some will depart from the faith, the energy source, Christ. Giving heed to seducing spirits. Can a Christian be seduced? Yeah. By false philosophy? Absolutely. You're miserable. You're miserable and you need to do something about it. And usually the something that we can't do about it is we're going to just... No. No, I don't have to. (laughs) Okay. But just you don't have to submit to the misery, honestly, you don't. Okay? You don't have to submit to the fact that the world is coming in and affecting the other, right? By a false philosophy. So what's the false philosophy? You don't have to do that. You don't have to go there. Yeah, I know. I know. When your battery runs out in your tool, don't plug it in. You don't have to. You can just be, you can still be a tool. Yeah, you can. But you're all alone and you don't even know how to function. You don't even function properly. So honey, why don't you unplug yourself and be miserable with me? Why don't you submit to me? Husband or wife or vice versa. Well, you don't have to have that. It's, it's planeo. P L A. N-A-O. Stop being led astray by evil spirits that want to keep you in a miserable state and condition when here you have the treasure in you. Keep you separated from the treasure. Keep you from dependence. What are we like when we're not dependent upon him? We will live in self-destruction. There's no question about it. That's why it says in Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent his word. Power source. That's... And he he healed them of all their destructions. All those many ways that the enemy seeks to destroy us. And he wears us out by speaking great words. But here, here, evil company, evil company, evil companionships is from the Greek word homilia, homilia. And it's from homolos, a crowd, gang, bunch, listen. You don't want to be with Christians, you know what? You're going you, you know what? You can only be alone for so long. Ask the prodigal. He left the father's house. He took all his riches, and he left. I don't have to be here. You know what? Go, go to the house. Be in the house all the time. I don't have to do that. I can take what I have, and I can do it all by myself. Yeah, I know. And he leaves, right? And he had all those riches, but he he. He, after a while, he got so lonely, he joined himself with those that were of the world. And when his riches were done, you think the world wanted anything to do with him? It's the same with us. Come on. You go back, it's never the same. You go back to the, to the ways, the things we used to do, those things that we hated. Well, we go back because the world has come in experientially. But here, and only here, so you've got to go with a gang, you've got to get somebody that's like you, because you can only be lonely for so long, and that just doesn't work. Right? But only here in the New Testament does it speak about good manners, godly ones. Right? Because if you submit to their misery, you know what? You know what's going to happen? Okay? Guess what? It's going to corrupt what you know about Christ. It's going to corrupt you. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that at all. Only here in the New Testament is it good manners. Good, good manners here. It's ethy. In the Greek where we get that word ethos. It's a custom. Good morals. And what should we do? Look at verse 34. Look at, we get miserable and we sleep in the passivity of the flesh. Come on. Right? Awake to righteousness in verse 34. Awake to it. Submit to it. Submit to to Christ in you and stop sinning. Is, Is worry sin? Is doubt sin? Yes. God resists the proud. What is he resisting? The world, the proud world and the believer. He's not resisting Christ in them. But he's resisting them from functioning in his son. He's, boy, I tell you, it just is. God resists the proud. I don't care. Okay, fine. God is resisting you and you're miserable. <laughs> God resists the proud, but he gives what? Greater grace, more grace to those that allow themselves to be humble. They they awake to righteousness and, and sin not. Look what it says. For some... Have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. It's not that they don't have the knowledge. It's that they refuse it. Refuse to submit. And in that sense, they don't have a proper experience. Their experience is they're miserable. And they think that they're going to do something about it when it's just the enemy leading them astray to destroy them and destroy their experience. He can't touch opposition, but he'll do that. Fact of the matter is, the Holy Spirit, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, is teaching us through, through what he gave Paul to us as his church, that the resurrection itself is Christianity. It's Christ. And he, listen, he's not a dead Christ. We trust a living Savior. A living deliverer, who when we submit to him through humility, remember what humility is. It's not thinking too highly of myself. I don't have to do it. It's not thinking, and and in the flesh, what are we doing? We're thinking way too high of ourselves. I don't have to do it. (laughs) I don't have to. I can do this what I want. That's too bad. Fine. Or that's too highly of ourselves. That's pride. Or thinking too lowly of ourselves. It's still pride. Oh, I'm, never, I'm no good. Can you imagine living that way? Is there misery involved with making something of self, not submitting to the righteousness of the treasure of Christ in us? We're, thinking, we're either thinking too highly of ourselves or too lowly. In both cases, we're miserable. <laughs> and misery loves. Oh, I want you to join me. Hey, yeah. I want you to be comfortable in sin because after all, I want to use you to make me as comfortable as I can be in sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. You're living in the misery of shame and the shame of misery when you have the treasure in you and you're living just like the world. You think in some measure your life is to settle down here. And until it does, I'm going to be miserable. Until God comes through. Wow, that's dependence. No, that's independence. If Christ was not risen, and if Christ was not risen, those who had faith in Him were deceived, and yet in their sins. You can trust Him. Why? He's already dealt with all your sins. Everything that would keep distance between you and him. And now you want to live in them and be miserable. Listen, when Christ isn't my, my present experience, I'm only going to live in sin and misery. And you can take the treasures of the world and still be just as miserable. Come on. Look at the world. Look at people with money. Honestly, most of the people that I knew when I grew up, the multi-millionaires, and I got to be around a lot of them really close too, They were some of the most miserable people because, you know, they may have had all that gold and silver in Haggai 2.8, but it was his still. It was his until they would submit. Then it could be used properly. But until then, we just use it for the flesh. That's all we do. We'll even take the blessings, the material things that God has given us. And we've said this before, the enemy... It doesn't mind. If he can't stop God from blessing us, then he's going to try and use those blessings those material things to get us away from God. Because he knows ultimately they're going to fail. Then he can, and, and, and he's got us deceived, and when we're deceived as Christians, guess what comes next? The accusation. See? He gets the Christian to not go forward, to settle down, right? Just so he can accuse them. Well, Here it is. If not, then you're deceived. The enemy threw a lie. Listen, no, you can't trust God. No. No, no. He's not risen right now. He's not above everything. He's not above every circumstance or situation. He's not above that. You're miserable. Admit it. (laughs) Now do something about it, and here it is which is sin. You know, in Isaiah 30, verse 1, when they didn't go forward, they went back down to Egypt. You see that in Isaiah 30, verse 1, 1 and 2 and 3, and you see it in Isaiah 31, 1 through 3. They went down to Egypt. And when you do, that's going back into the world and living just like the world, being miserable, having to do something about it. They add sin unto sin. The reason is, in Psalm 69, verse 27, in Romans 6, 19, they add iniquity unto iniquity. What is adding iniquity unto iniquity? My will, not yours. I'm going to be miserable, and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> Jeez. Whoa. Oh, let me help you, honey. No, let me, I'll pray for you, and I won't accuse you or condemn you, but I'm going to pray for you. And honey, can be, it can be daddy or mummy. hubby and wifey. Well, then Christ isn't risen. Is he risen in my experience? No, he's just a dead Christ. He's dead. And so am I, and I'm miserable. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Well, then we're still in our sins. Yep, that's right. So I got to do something about it. That's how a lot of Christians live. Oh, God deliver us, and he has. Through humility, experientially. So we are not to think simply of that one point of doctrine, that one point of teaching that Christ rose from the dead. It implies everything else. When we don't experience resurrection in life, nothing makes any sense to us and we could care less. That's the flesh. We don't even care. We don't even care. But you know what? The resurrection did what? It spoke of necessity with tremendous power. Tremendous power. And to, even to those that were facing death all the time. Look at, Are we facing that? If we don't get raptured, and some won't, you even see that in this chapter, in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, and in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But if we don't, we are facing what? Death. But to the Christian, functioning in Christ, submitted experientially, is death a curse? No, Ecclesiastes seven one. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. That's only in the Christian, because we are facing what to be with Him for eternity, and in this life we're just passing through. We're passing right through. Is there misery all around us? Is that the whole world system what it's founded on? And you look in Genesis the fourth chapter. Look at it. They they took the arts, they took entertainment, huh? they had religion, and keep everything as nice as we can in the midst of this misery because after all, we might as well eat, drink, and be merry because we're going to die and that's going to be it. And you know how many Christians live that way? Because you know why? Again, the world has come in. The world has entered into the experience because they've refused the cross that crucified the flesh, and crucified the world system and the flesh in reality in the Christian in Galatians 6 and verse 14. And so as we wrap this up here this morning, we can see this, the beauty of what God is telling us and what he wants. We have tremendous power. We have Christ in us. He is resurrection life. He is above everything. And he who's above everything in us is leading us through to meet him who's above everything for all eternity. So if there's suffering now for a time, suffering, proper suffering, because we can suffer bad decisions, right? But he'll still give us the, the grace, not to sin, but to get out of it, to make the adjustment. We're on our way to our eternity, our face-to-face meeting with Him. That's a fact, guys. We, each of us individually, we are on our way to a face-to-face meeting with Christ. Now, we know this in Hebrews 2.11. He's not ashamed to call us brethren, but is there any shame in 2 Timothy 1.12 in my experience right now? If it is, It's that doctrine hasn't been formed in my experience through submitting in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words, keeping yourself disciplined as you're passing through on your way to eternity, because you have resurrection life in you. And that resurrection life is tremendous power, and as you submit to the Holy Spirit, he takes the things of Christ. He shows them unto you. And you need, that's why we come to hear the word in Ephesians 4, verse 23. We need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Renewed with what? Energy source. An energy source. And, and again, literally, as we wrap this up this morning, here we have this energy. Energy. But to weaken that reality, that we do have an energy source, is to weaken all the power over sin. Do you hear that one? Oh my. To weaken it is to weaken over the power of that, that sin that you're functioning in that makes you miserable. You're rejecting the power. You're rejecting the word. To reject the written word is to reject the Holy Spirit. We'll take the written word and in your your experience it make it experiential. It'll actually quicken you out of the sleep of dead shame, guilt, and misery. And so let no one deceive himself. Where does deception start with the Christian? With themselves. Let no one deceive themselves. Don't let that happen. Let no one deceive themselves. These sins, these acts of disobedience through, ba- through knowing teaching but rejecting it is not to be tolerated. You do not have to tolerate it. You don't have to accuse and condemn the other, but you do not have to tolerate it. You do not have to tolerate it. They were not to be thought lightly of. Disobedience. The enemy convinces the Christian disobedience is... Eh, In this area, I don't have to obey. Well, now you don't have an energy source. Now you're miserable for any of us. It's not to be taken lightly of. They must take heed. They must come to sobriety and righteousness and stop sinning. Because a Christian who doesn't have a proper experience, it's like they're being drunk by the atmosphere. They're just being taken away. It's this circumstance. It's this thing. It's this vacation. It's, th- it's just all these different things to, to try and do away with the misery. Used to do that in the world. Can't handle things? you got to put something in to try and get you out of it. It's miserable. And all it leads is to much more destruction. Thank God we have a power source. And in closing... Thank God we don't have to live in failure. We can live in the life that Christ is in us right now because we are more than conquerors, Romans 8, 37, through his love, through the experience of energy and being loved. That's why Jesus said, he said that again, and he said it in John six sixty three. The flesh profits what? Nothing. But the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit- Holy Spirit, and they are life, energy, source, power. That's why Paul said in Romans 7, 18, and that's what a lot of Christians have to do. When you're not going forward, no, I'm going to sit down. I don't have to go forward. I don't have to obey. Okay, sit. Because you're going to learn two things there. And it's good to be alone. Some some need to be alone. Because, you know, <laughs> misery loves company. You want to be alone with yourself, be in company with yourself without Christ? It's good to be alone because he's going to teach you and I and show us in our being alone. No, I don't want to be around anybody right now. I, I don't want to be. OK, be alone. But guess what? You're going to learn. OK, and the Holy Spirit is going to teach you without condemning you. This. How, how's, how's it going right now? Is it miserable? That's right. It's not who you are. You are functioning in a lie. You've been seduced. Here is who you are in Christ. Submit your will now. Submit and then be free. Because in Galatians 5.1, for freedom's sake, Christ set us free. So what? Be free in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.